Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 289. This is this Moving Iron Podcast. I have Andy Cajun Junkin uh, on from www.stubborn.farm. And uh, Andy reached out to me here not too long ago. We were talking about a few things and sound like a great podcast to put together because it's a pretty relevant subject. Andy, I'm going to give the, uh, the the paraphrased version version of of kind of what you what you do and who you are and those kind of things. But basically, Andy is a is a guy that that started out as a mediator and and kind of rolled his way through. And now he does a lot of stuff with succession planning. And especially in today's uh, farming operations, where we're looking at a bunch of multiple generations working on the same, at the farm at the same time. So Andy, welcome to the show, man. Appreciate you having me on. really do. So, so, so I gave the, uh, the 50,000 foot view of, of Andy there. So I guess as you're looking at this, I, I, I specialize what it is. I, I yeah. basically specialize in working with stubborn farmers. I help stubborn farm families uh, w- work better together. I get them to stop being stubborn with each other and start being stubborn in the critical things that matter. And so um, I think the biggest thing that folks don't realize is that the biggest change in technology, from my perspective, is uh, the fact that back in the 60s, when dad was 60, he would retire because he had bad hips but nowadays dad's going in for hip surgery and he's farming to his 80s or 90s and uh, if you want to farm to the day you die i'm all about making that happen but uh the situation most family farms is you've got too many chiefs and not enough indians um you got three generations farming together you also got two three cousins farming together most times because it doesn't make sense every 25 years of you splitting up the family capital because you need to keep it all together to afford that technology that gives you the cutting edge so you got a situation, most family farms, where everybody's button has and pulling farm in different directions. And we're losing money uh, fast, and it's creating a lot of headaches as a result, too. All right. So talk to okay, So succession planning, obviously, that's a big part of that. Yeah. And you're going to talk about that a little bit, well, what you I, see I, happening right now. I, 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 think, I think the thing is that 77% of farms do not have a succession plan, and that's not because they have not had a succession plan or out to the farm. 
Uh, I'd say 98% of farms have had a succession planner out to the farm, but that just means that 77% of the time, uh, some guy tried to show up to the farm thinking that he was just going to sit down with the farm family for an afternoon and do succession planning, and within two hours left the farm. And that usually, the thing is, is that, and, and basically leaving the farm saying that family is too damn stubborn for me to work with. And uh, the thing is that what happens in succession planning is if you, if you get a bunch of guys that are stubborn, that are bickering about making simple little production little changes to the farm, and they can't make simple little decisions without pride and egos getting in the way, and then everybody shows up to a meeting with certain expectations, and then they get really upset that the other partners don't have the same expectations, what should be a three-hour meeting turns into a 10-year family feud. And that's that's broken. And that's why we, I mean... Everybody that's listening to this that understands agriculture knows of a family farm that were uh, tw- uh, 10 years ago, one of the best farms in the county that are, are uh, being, being divided because um, of poor estate planning. And everybody knows farm families that uh, are being broken apart. Um, you know, I mean, who wants to be in a, in a situation day to day where you're butting heads and pulling the farm in different directions? And it, it's creating... Um, we haven't really thought about in succession about in farm families. If you have a bunch of partners that have were were in a family environment where, when it comes to decision making, what becomes more important is who's right, and you get butt heads and pull the farm in different directions. Things ain't right on that farm. And for a lot of equipment dealers, you have a, a, a canceled orders because one partner said yes to a, a certain purchase, and then two or three other partners said no. And it's creating a lot of pain for, for the agribusiness industry in, in itself. So f- this is a problem we've got to fix, and this is why I'm here on this podcast. Okay, so talk about that a little bit. Then. So you sit down with these these families, and I'm, I'm sure there's – I mean, I've been a part of those where there's multiple generations in the table. you got grandpa and yeah. dad and, and, and mom and brother and sister, and they're all sitting down at the, at the same table, and you're giving them a pitch about whatever's going on, and, you know, there's multiple – there's six or seven different conversations going on at the same yeah. time. As you're looking at this kind of stuff, what's how are you going about bringing well, these together? What I'm doing, I mean, how do you make that work? Yeah, how I make it work is that uh, basically I have a two-year program where I have a family meeting once a month, and I have all the partners come to the table once a month, and then grandpa and granddaughter sit down at the kitchen table, and everybody's got to pitch one idea to improve the efficiency of the farm. And it depends on the size of the operation, but I like to start off with no more than $1,000 uh, changes to the operation. So it's not like you're going to go buy a combine or buy the farm next door. Right. Um, the first meet, couple of meetings we have, we focus on little, simple little management improvements. And mm-hmm. the thing is that, you know, when young lads come home from agriculture college, they got a thousand one ideas to improve how, how to improve the operation. Sure. At some point in time, these suggestions for change are seen by grandma, grandpa, or dad as criticism what mom and dad have done in the past. And soon uh, grandma and grandpa or dad start to shut down ideas um, because they look for excuses not to do it. Um, because and, and basically it comes down to pride and egos getting in the way. And soon the son and daughter, they start to do the same thing and start rejecting mom and dad's ideas because they said no to some other idea. And so the thing is, if you can get everybody coming to the table with an idea to improve efficiency, Grandpa's more likely to sit down and listen to what his granddaughter's going to say. And if he knows in three minutes time that he's going to explain an idea and he wants his granddaughter to listen to his idea. 
So each meeting I'm making between three to 10,000 bucks in improved efficiency. But the bigger thing is what I'm getting is getting rid of is that I'm smarter than you attitude and getting farm family to actually sit down and make smart decisions together. And that does two things. Like I've done farm debt turnarounds. Um, I had a farm, for instance, I met them in 2019. On February 1st, the bank pulled their financing, $17 million. Um, the first meeting they wanted to, one guy wanted to shut down the, the livestock enterprise. One guy wanted to sell a good chunk of the land base. Um, I said, guys, we're not going to sit down and make any decisions over a thousand bucks for three months. You guys, first of all, got to get used to talking to each other and, and talking about things in a common sense way and listening to each other's ideas. You got to get, st stop being stubborn with each other and start being stubborn and actually listening to what the other guy's saying. And then six months later, we sat down. And we sold 10% of land base. And we did that, that strategic planning in three hours. But the thing is, we spent the three months before that getting everybody listening to each other. And I think that that's whether you're doing succession planning or a major strategic turnaround, like a farm debt turnaround. You, you, I mean, when you build a fire, you start with the kindling first. And the thing, same thing with decision-making. You start with the small decisions first, get the family used to weighing the pros and cons together, talking about things intelligently without egos being involved. And just like adding fire, uh, larger and larger wood to the fire, you start making larger and larger decisions. And I think that's what we have to do when it, when it comes to farm debt turnarounds and farm succession planning. Okay, so talk about this a little bit. So there's right now, if you look at most farming operations, you've got... Um, grandpa, uh, grandma, and you've got mom and dad, and then you've got sister and brother. And that's sure. the three generations that you typically see on the farm right now. Sure. Grandpa's farming until he's 80. You know, you've got 80, 85, something like that. You've got a 55 or 60 year old mom and dad that are in the middle of that. And then you've got the, the 25 to 35 something coming yeah. back to the farm now. That middle generation seems like they're never going to get that, sh that chance to, to be the true farm um operator i don't know if that's the right term or not but yeah it's there's there's that there's that gap right there that overlap where it seems like by the time grandma and grandpa move out of the picture and retired that's kind of retirement time for mom and dad to kind of start thinking about that now what are some of the instances you've seen there and how, how are those situations different from maybe uh, some of the other things that you run into well i, I think you just seen with a queen um, you had Prince Charles, he took over the management of the family business sure. at the age of 73. And that, right. that's where we're headed with agriculture. And, and I think, I think simply um, put, I've seen a lot of guys in their 60s and 70s uh, suddenly be able to manage, uh, take over the ownership of a family farm. And um, it's an overwhelming feeling because six months after the funeral, um, they suddenly realized that grandpa had been trading all the commodities. He had made all the financial decisions and there's a gap in the wisdom that, I mean, there's the son and daughter in their sixties or fifties uh, or sixties think, Hey, that's easy. But then they suddenly realize it's not. I had a guy break down in tears one time, call me up because he had been running the farm for two years. His dad had cancer. And yet, um, his dad was trading corn in, in, in the commodities in the hospital. And everybody expected that dad would, uh, his, in that situation, it was, it was a grandpa at that time, would walk away from the hospital. It was just a few few weeks in the, in the hospital, but he never walked out of the hospital. 
And something like commodity trading, it takes 10 years to learn the, the wisdom. And so what I'm really a big fan of is, is something I call the 9,000 hour rule. So the first three years that a kid comes home to that farm and wants to join the family business, you got to prove that you're this tall, this tall to get on the ride. And so for the first three years that a kid comes home, the average farmer that I see that's uh, from a successful farm, they're working about 3,000 hours. So you have to work 3,000 hours. And every month we do a performance review as to three things. We want to talk about what's one incorrect belief that you got tweaked. So the thing is that if um, if a, a son shows up half an hour later than grandpa to, to milk cows, there's got to be a question as to why aren't you the first one in the barn if you want this to be your future. And so, uh, I mean, if you can make one uh, change in mindset, such as n being the first one to the barn, not the last one to the barn, and, and getting rid of that mindset of entitlement, if you can do that monthly for 24 months, you're going to have a successor that's going to be successful. Every meeting I have, I make one uh, change in character. So something like uh, having a short temper, um, which a lot of farm families, uh, all the family members have, have a problem with. If you can get a family, the way they react to things, instead of making a molehill into a mountain, if you can get them to look at things um, differently and, and have less of a temper, if you can make 24 changes like that over, over the course of two years, you're going to have a whole different business environment where the, the family is going to be more fun to work with and the business is going to be more successful. And also you're going to have a successful successors. And then each, each month I make one uh, chain transfer of responsibility so, like, let's take commodity trading. I really think that within the first three years that the grandson comes home, he and maybe even dad, if, if grandpa's doing the trading, maybe grandson and dad um, start each trading 5% of the corn and beans. And so that everybody and maybe the, the, the granddaughter also learns so that maybe you're only trading have 15% of the, the actual corn and beans being traded by somebody that's inexperienced. Right, but between three partners that are juniors, but everybody's learning how to do that so that when grandpa dies, that wisdom isn't six feet under. Because any fool can give a son and daughter a tractor, very few farmers are successful in teaching their kids how to make that tractor pay. And that's why we have so many family farms failing. And so the thing is that if you do that over, over 9,000 hours or three years, and you, your successor, um, doesn't just have potential, he's really, if he's making, continuously improving himself or herself, you're going to have a successful a successor. And then that's a partner that you want to have. And, and the thing is that I think is, as far as the transfer of assets, I don't believe succession planning, it should be talking about the transfer of assets. I think succession planning should, should simply be a strategic plan. And all it's, all it is, is outlines over 30 years, if your grandson puts a shoulder into this operation and takes it from a $5 million farm to a $20 million farm, what percentage of the growth is he or she entitled to? How are we going to split that up between three grandkids that are all putting their shoulder into the operation? And we have to have that discussion, I think, uh, within the first three years that the kids come home so that you've got a situation that you know over the next 30 years, it's not going to be everybody fighting over scraps of a, of a piece of a pie, but we're talking about how to grow the pie. What was the recipe that made the farm successful? Let's make sure we got successful successors that can manage and grow a business. And, um, and really, the bigger thing is it doesn't matter who owns more ownership of the asset. What matters is that the family can do it together. So you have the best, everybody coming to the table, it doesn't matter who has more equity in the business. 
the best idea wins. So it might even be a granddaughter come to the table with, and she might only own 3% stock in the, in the family business at the current time, but she has a better idea than grandpa. That idea goes ahead and the family farm will go ahead for the next 100 years. And it's only when we shift the mindset from me to we, and we have a team dynamic instead of one person trying to be the boss, that, uh, that, that the farm will be successful. Now, outside of those meetings, you know, one patriarch can be the boss, day-to-day operations, that's fine. But I think there's got to be time and place that everybody has the opportunity that if they prove themselves to be equal, a good uh, partnership potential, they can contribute to ideas and they don't feel like a slave. Right, right. Okay, so when you're looking at the, the grooming of the successor and those kind of things, you got, you know, three kids that are coming back to the farm. All three kids want to come back to the farm. Um, what, what's your vision? Like if you're, if you're going to have a conversation with, with, a with, with a mom and dad or a grandma and grandpa, whoever it is that you're talking to, you yeah. got these three individuals coming back to the farm. How do you have the conversation of who's going to do what, where, like, for example, I mean, are you looking at strengths and weaknesses of each one of these individuals and saying like, okay, this person, we're thinking they should be doing this and this is what they want to go do. I mean, how, how are you having that conversation of, what are those three kids going to do when they come back to the farm? And how are you going to delegate what functions of the farm are going to be, you know, cross-functional to each one of these, each one of these kids? Yeah. We, we make sure we, we tie talents to strengths and more importantly, we understand that there's a respect so that there's not competition uh, between uh, <clears throat> we, the person that has the a most aptitude for a certain skill set. They're the ones that are doing the job. So if your grandson is a financial whiz at university and, and got a, a, was a, a, say a finance degree, uh, grandpa doesn't feel that the need that he has to be the one doing the farm financials because he owns the majority of assets. It's, it, what, what matters is the person with the most talent is doing the right jobs and the passion for whatever that they're doing. But also what I'm really concerned about is uh, turning uh, weaknesses into strengths so, because everybody's got weaknesses, but... You know, sure. in order to be uh, have a successful business, you you've got to also make sure that you shore up your weaknesses, so that ten years from now you've got a, a business that's bulletproof. That makes so sense. So how do you go? Yeah, it makes good sense. So how how do you go? So you've some of most of these situations, you'll have a single entity. You know, mom and dad run the farm. Sure. Dad does the farm. Mom does the books. And, you know, we yeah. got this thing going on. Then you transition down to the to the to the three to three kids coming back to yeah. the farm how, how do you go from one to three and how do you make those how, how do you how do you divide that up well i, guess I, that's, I think that's there's the, that's I, what i, I see that as a struggle well okay so one problem i see that that's quite often is let's say a dairy farm you have you have sure. one son that that shows strengths in in livestock and mm-hmm. and then once a son becomes a cash crop but this happens quite often right. they get into their little fiefdoms and they basically um, make a point of not making a comment or a suggestion for improvement. Like, for instance, the dairy farmer sees what the cash cropper does and has some suggestions for how it could be improved upon, but holds back those comments because um, we get into our little fiefdoms. And that eventually leads to the split up of the operation because there's no cross-functional ideas um, being shared. And what's important is that there's a time and place once a month. It doesn't matter who's area of, is responsible you're um 
you're able to provide feedback to each enterprise so that each enterprise is oper operating as a maximum efficiency. And more importantly, what I see quite often is that, let's say that um, a dairy farmer in, in that scenario had a suggestion for improvement to the cash cropper. Quite often, the cash cropper will become defensive and start try to shirk off blame and try to bury, um, try to um, bury his his mistakes under the carpet and try to point out the fault in what the the dairy farmer's doing, and that leads to a dysfunctional family business. What's got what we got to do is have a sense of humility within the family where we're uh, where we're embracing our weaknesses and trying to turn them into strengths. And it doesn't matter whose idea, who said what. What matters is the best idea wins and that we are, we are, we're, we, if somebody has feedback for how I could run my enterprise better, I embrace that, that feedback and, and turn that into a strength. Right. So obviously you would be part of this, but I guess looking at, yeah, uh, looking at a, a big picture of like an, a, like an advisory council of sorts, right? You got the commodity advisory, advisory person, you've got a, a you know, an agronomist type. Sure. Advisory person, you got a, you know, large animal uh, type advisory person of sorts. I mean, looking at those kind of things, how do those fit into what you do and, and how, how important is that to, uh, to your program? Well, I, I see in a lot of family farms, we just, we get um, only one person making decisions in one area and you've got five right. smart people in, in, involved in the business that see things from different angles. And the, the farm is failing because we're sweeping mistakes underneath the carpet and trying to point fault in what the other guy's doing instead of um, uh, trying to, to improve ourselves. I was at a situation, um, this is a game-changing moment for my business. 15 years ago, I started off as a mediator. And um, I got a reputation for being the be uh, like one of the best. I was, I was the guy that got called in after there was three, four succession planners. A lot of lawyers and accountants started to call me in from across North America. I was the guy from Canada that they flew in, and that's how I got down here in the U.S. Um, and, and worked in 21 states um, before I got married. The thing is that I, I got called in to mediate the most dire farm succession, farm, farm debt turnarounds. And I found it really frustrating because the one thing I kept on seeing was really good farm families that were stubborn. And there was a situation, um, there was two brothers in a partnership their dad had been the mediator between the two brothers. Um, he died seven years before, and the two brothers could not run an operation together. And two sister-in-laws were sitting at the kitchen table, and they were best friends in high school, um, and they were worst enemies that day. And one of the nephews was out leading a 4-H calf, and he was uh, he's leading this 4-H calf, and this kid was about 17, and his mother complained just as we started the meeting that, she couldn't get the kid to take off his school clothes and put on barn clothes. He just couldn't wait to get out of the barn. He was a kid that would milk cows in the morning and before he got on the bus to go to school and then he'd be right off the bus, he'd run to the barn. He could he lived to farm. And yet, 4-H, uh, he was leading this 4-H calf and I thought, how ironic was it that the farm was bringing out the best in the character of this young man of continuously improving himself and yet inside the kitchen table, the farmer was bringing out the worst and everybody at that kitchen table. And there was a Bible on the, on the table and the words, it was actually Matthew 7, 5. And it said, uh, the words of Jesus said, uh, do not 
talk about taking the speck of dust out of your brother's eye until you take the plank out of your own. And I don't care if you're a Christian or not, those are word, wise words to turn any, any family business around. We got to get from the mindset of pointing fingers. And, and that was what was going on at the kitchen table was everybody in that room was brilliant. The problem they had in that business is they all had their own little area of enterprise. And that kitchen table, they, everybody was pointing fingers and they all had three fingers pointing back at them. They were a really upstanding family. They were really good. But there's a lot of the, the business was not being successful because there's money slipping between the cracks. And that it came down to the dysfunctionality of everybody wanting to shift blame and point blame and what the other guy's doing, but not want to make changes in what they were doing. And that's the fundamentals of my business is how do we get everybody? Um, everybody's got 5% about themselves as far as their character and their personal life, as well as their business life. That's got to be tweaked in order to have a successful business. And if you can get everybody to, to instead of point blame on what their partners are doing, to look at self-improving themselves, just like that kid that was leading the 4-H calf, if you look at the farm as an environment, you know, in farming, we get stubborn at some point in time when we encourage kids uh, as teenagers to learn as much and improve themselves as much on the farm. But then in our 20s and 30s, we say, we're perfect. We don't need to change. And that's what causes dysfunctional families and dysfunctional family businesses. And we got to get rid of that dysfunctionality by embracing our dysfunctionality and looking at self-improving ourselves and our personal lives, as well as our business, as well as our businesses. Because the fact is that nobody gets married expecting to get divorced, and nobody gets um, married into the um, marries the family business or starts going into partnership with the family expecting there's going to be problems. And the whole issue is we have this attitude of happily ever after. We get into relationships thinking it's going to be happily ever after without ever expecting there to be problems. And the problem is we don't have a problem-solving techniques. And so what I'm encouraging these farm families to do is get really good at problem-solving together. And if we can get the family really good at problem-solving, there's no problems that they can't handle together. Right on. <clears throat> All right, so if I... Uh want to reach out to you and hire you what give me the give me the base the steps here of what day one looks like all the way through being just you know 50,000 foot view of that what's that look well, like? basically i just have a six-week program where i work with each individual on that's involved in the business and that gives them uh basically it's life coaching i wouldn't call that to publicly the farmers but basically helps you get crystal clear on what your goals are and also helps you understand who i am and and really Get to know me first before you invite me to a family meeting. You have to ask yourself, is this a guy that you really want to work with or not? And then I'll sit down with your family for six weeks and we have uh, what I call an orientation of how we work together. And then and, and we just we, 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 we meet weekly for six weeks. And then I just meet with your family once a month. And we make one improvement in how you guys work together each meeting. And one improvement in everybody's character. And we try to make three to 10,000 bucks and improve efficiency. And I do that over two years. And then after two years, we'll sit down for an afternoon and do succession planning. And um, that's that's to me how I work. And uh, yeah, I, I work with a lot of equipment dealers. They're invite, asked me to come out to their, to their uh, meetings this winter. Um, I have a TED Talk that you can go on my website, stubborn.farm, and see my talk. I also do a one-day workshop, which is game-changing for farm families. Um, a lot of farm families, they just have a hard time getting the process started. And um, I have a, a workshop that, that basically when 
an individual or the whole family comes to the meeting, that when they leave the meeting, they'll have a whole different mindset and uh, that, that helps them succeed in, in getting the process started. There are a lot of families who are just stuck with how to get the process started and this workshop changes that. And it's a great way to, for the equipment dealer to develop the relationship. Right on. So, right on. So, well, I mean, I mean, the thing is, is that if you go to www.stubborn.farm, any type of anybody in the agriculture business, you can go. Uh, you can go to um, if you're a farmer. I'll send you a book. Uh, I wrote a book called Bulletproof Your Farm. I've actually written five books, but that's my fifth, my most recent book. I'll send you a copy. Um, you can actually, uh, if you sign up on the website, I'll actually send you um, um, an electronic version that you can listen to, like an audio book. I'll send you a text. You can listen to it this afternoon, and I'll send you a hard copy of the book. And I'll send you, if you're an equipment dealer, I'll send you five copies of the book that you can carry around in your truck. And if you know a farm family that's struggling with succession planning issues, whether it's this month or five, uh, two years from now, you can just hand them the book and put your card inside the book. And, you know, it might help that family actually improve the odds of them still farming together in 30 years time. And they'll, they'll not forget that you introduced them to those different concepts of how to do things. Well, that's all good stuff. <clears throat> Folks, I reach out to you and get more information about what it is. Is stubborn.farm the best place to go? Stubborn.farm. That's right. Right on. Okay. Right on. Well, Andy, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. I really appreciate that. Listen, let's let's save some family farms together. Right okay. on, man. Thanks right very on. much. You take care and God right, bless. Take care. All right, thanks, man. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure to check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find all the latest editions of Moving Iron Podcast. Go to LinkedIn and Moving Iron Podcast. Go to the YouTube channel, Moving Iron Podcast, and you can see all the the video versions of us there. So, for more information about the Moving Iron Podcast, go to movingironllc.com, and you can find everything there. So, with that, I am Casey Seymour with. Andy Cajun Jenkins. Let's go move some iron folks out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher.